Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. And just for those of you who are joining us, and uh, maybe you're a guest or a visitor with us here today, um, on Wednesday nights, we have been kind of going and looking at more of a practical approach and then having some conversation around it. And so um, this past week, we uh, talked about refocusing your meditation. Now, not like home meditation, um, but like meditation as in uh, what the Bible refers to in Joshua chapter number one, and then also Psalm chapter number one. And what one of the statements that we made is this, is that God never promises to bless Bible readers, only Bible meditators. Okay, can you say that out loud with me? God never promises to bless Bible readers, only Bible meditators. Let's try it one more time. God never promises to bless Bible readers, only Bible meditators. And the reason why I want you to get that stuck in your mind is because so much of the time we think, well, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read scripture and then all of a sudden I'm just going to change my life. I'm going to transform everything around me, but when you go and you look at a verse like Saul, or Joshua chapter number 1 verse 8, that is the only word that talks about, the only time, the only verse that the word success is used in scripture, when you go and you look at that, it's not linked to just sitting down and cracking the Bible and saying, oh good, I can check that off the list. It's actually linked to how much you focus and how much you meditate on scripture. And so one of the things that we referred to was that when we talk about meditating and focusing and letting our minds really soak in scripture, that means that we're going to have to eliminate distractions. And so today we're going to be talking about battling distraction. Um, what we've been doing on Sunday morning is trying to take a topic and going and giving you a story out of God's Word that refers to that. And so let's look at Nehemiah chapter number 6. Uh, we'll read down through verse number 9. Nehemiah 6 verse 1 uh, down through verse number 9. The Bible says this, now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem uh, the Arabim or Arabim uh, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall and that there was no bread. Man, my Bible. There is no breach left therein. My Bible has like a curve and a shadow like right on it. I'm going to actually read off the handout. That's what I'm going to do. Okay? Let me go back. Okay? Uh, verse number two. And there was no breach, or verse number one. There was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. Then sent Sanballat his servant unto me in like manner the fifth time with an open letter in his hand, wherein was written, It is reported among the heathen, and Gashmu saith it, that thou and the Jews think to rebel, for which cause thou buildest the wall, that thou mayest be their king according to these words. And thou hast also appointed prophets to preach of thee at Jerusalem, saying, There is a king of Judah, and now it shall be reported to the king according to these words. Come now, therefore, and let us take counsel together. 
Then I send unto him, saying, There are no such things done as thou sayest, but thou feignest them out of thine own heart. For they, made, for they all made us afraid, saying, Their hands shall be weakened from the work, that it be not done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. I want to just show you one quick theme that we're not going to touch on necessarily in today's lesson. But I want you to look at verse number 7 and verse number 8 um, and look at, his, look at Nehemiah's response. Basically, in verse number 7, one of these men that is accusing him, that's trying to distract him, says, this is why you're doing this. You're doing this so that people is going to preach about you. You're doing this so that you can become their king. You're doing this so that they can rebel. And he says, none of those things are true. And one of the reoccurring themes that we've seen throughout this uh, lesson series is this. Many of the things that entrap and enslave your mind are rooted in dishonesty. Many of the things that the, that the world promises that maybe, well, if you do this, if, if you give your mind to this, or if you focus on this, then it promises to do this. Many of it, is, much of it, is rooted in dishonesty. Depression, anxiety, some of the things that we worry about, some of the stress that we have, some of the things that maybe we feel about other people, much of it is rooted in a lack of truth. And Scripture has a way of basically saying, if you're going to let your mind dwell on something, let's let it dwell on truth, because truth is what can actually change us. And so I want you to go back and let's read verse number three out loud together. Verse number three of Nehemiah chapter number six. This is Nehemiah responding to the messengers and he says this, and I sent messengers unto them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? Let's read that one more time because I think some of you picked up at the period at the end. All right. So uh, let's read one more time out loud together verse number three ready begin and I sent messengers unto them saying I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you and so with that in mind let's look at battling distractions battling distractions let's pray we'll ask the Lord to help us dear Heavenly Father Lord we thank you for the day that you've given us, or we thank you for an opportunity to look into your word. Lord, I know that this is uh, going to be somewhat of a practical lesson. Uh, Lord, it's going to be uh, one that really is going to revolve around a lot of application, and the, the people that are listening here today, Lord, these group of young adults, Lord, it's going to revolve around them walking out of these doors and doing what they've heard. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be able to take your word, Lord, apply it to our lives, Lord, apply it to our problems, Lord, apply it to where we are weak. And Lord, I ask you to give me strength, Lord, I pray that you would empty me of myself. Lord, may I share that which you have laid on my heart. In your name we pray. Amen. When you look at something like a distraction and you look at maybe some of the seriousness of the other uh, lessons that we've had, you look at temptation, you look at stress, you look at worry, you look at depression, you would kind of look at something like distractions and kind of think, well, okay, that we can let that one slide because what does a distraction actually do to my mind? And here's what I've kind of come to determine as looking even at my own life and kind of looking at the church, looking at Christians all and other churches is this, is that while many in the maybe will suffer with stress and maybe a few will suffer with depression and maybe a few will struggle with, with temptation and maybe some will even go as far as to struggle with suicidal thoughts, I think that we are all a product of the distractions that we face on a day-to-day's time. The truth is, is that many of you, while sitting in this class, you've already experienced multiple dis distractions. Most of you, you might have gotten distracted by someone who walked in. 
Your phone has probably buzzed something at you while you've been in this classroom. Your watch, if you have a watch that's attached to your phone, has probably buzzed. You've probably thought about something that you wish you would have done. You probably are thinking about something that you are going to do. Some of you are already planning what you are going to do for lunch, okay? Those are all distractions. Those are all things that you now have to come to grips with. And if you're not careful, you will live such a distracted life that maybe it's not a matter of missing out on maybe good things, but you will definitely miss out on godly things. And one of the things that I've said since I really took this class and since I've even been looking at my own life, and like I said, the life of young adults is this, is that Satan does not have to distract you with evil. Satan does not have to distract you with something that is ungodly. He simply has to distract you with something that is good that is not of God. You see, many of you, you look at something like your phone, you look at something like social media, you look at something like maybe Facebook, or you look at something like or pursuing a career or pursuing a good job or any of those things, and you say, well, it's not bad, it's not evil, and you're 100% right. Those would be considered amoral by most people's standards. But at the same time, if Satan can get you to maybe prioritize that good thing above that which is godly, he knows that he doesn't have to distract you with evil or wrong or, or any of those other things because he simply can distract you by chasing something that does not matter to God. I believe it was uh, William Carey who said, I'm not concerned about succeeding in life. I'm simply concerned about succeeding at something that doesn't matter to God. And I think that if we had to diagnose our Christianity, what we would say is that we are succeeding, but we are succeeding at things that do not matter to God. And so in Nehemiah chapter number 6, what you find is that you find that Nehemiah is facing temptation from the outside. He's, he's facing distraction from those around him. And the main idea that I want you to pick up is this, and this is in your notes so that you can go back and revisit it. But the main idea is this, the distractions in this life deter me from accomplishing all that God has called me to do. Simply put is this, that when you experience distractions on a day-to-day -day basis, whether great or small, those are a deterrent to what God wants you to be focused on. But more importantly than that, they are a deterrent to what God has called you to do. You will not live a distracted Christian life and arrive 30, 40, 50 years and, and realize that you have made some great impact. Let's just think about it on a day-to-day -day basis. Let's say that you sit down and you go to write a paper, okay? Maybe for those of you who are in, still in school or you go to maybe do a work project. Look at the number of distractions that you face during that time. If you're doing it on a computer, you have built-in distractions on your computer. It's almost like that they flash saying, please click on me, okay? If you go to research something online, you go to simply look up something like, well, I need a statistic for this, and so I'm going to type in it. Well, now all of a sudden, oh, that statistic sounds, oh, I would like to know how I could save more money on my car insurance. Like, I didn't know that I needed to, but now I would like to. Like, I do think I need that shirt that's in the little ad over to the side because, yeah, and now that I'm looking at that, I might as well see what everyone else in the world is doing on social media, okay? There's a spiral that begins to happen. Just simply in a matter of four to eight hours, you can face a multitude of distractions. Now let's multiply that over the, over the course of our life. You can face multiple distractions from reading your Bible. You can face multiple distractions from spending time in, the, in quiet with prayer. You can face multiple distractions from attending church. You can face multiple distractions from giving. 
You can face multiple distractions from serving. You multiply that over the course of your life, and if you're not careful, your life will pass you by. And yes, you will have picked up everything along the path, but you will not have accomplished what God has called you to do. And in this passage, here's what we see. We see that a man on a mission named Nehemiah said, I'm not even going to give the distractions the amount of time that they deserve. I'm going to respond and I'm going to get them off my plate. I'm going to push them away. And here's what I want you to see, is that if you are distracted by the inferior things of this life, you will never accomplish the superior things of this life. If you are simply distracted by the inferior things of this life, you will never accomplish the superior things of this life. And let me explain that. You will not arrive one day, 30, 40, 50 years down the road with a godly family, a good Christian life, a good prayer life, a great faith in God, a great testimony among your co-workers, a great movement and impact with those around you, a great impact on your classmates, if you simply are consumed with the far less superior things of this life. You can make straight A's throughout your college career and never impact anyone around you. You can make as much money as you want in this world. You can get promotions at your job. You can do a great job and yet never share the gospel with a coworker who sits right across the desk from you. So let me ask you, did you do any good? Did you arrive at where God wanted you to be? Or did you simply become distracted with the things of this world? So let's look at three things that we must recognize or three recognitions. First of all, let's recognize the goal of distraction. Let's recognize the goal of distraction. Let's look at verse number uh, two. He goes into this list of all these people and what they wanted him to do and where they wanted him to meet. And he says this in verse number two. He says, but they thought to do me mischief. They thought to do me mischief. I don't know that we really realize how much of our world is geared toward getting us distracted. Because here's what the world knows, is if you can get distracted with something, then eventually you're going to act upon it, okay? How many of you, you've ever, you get sponsored ads in your Instagram? Anybody get sponsored ads in your, wow, okay, two of you, good job. How many of you get sponsored ads in your Instagram account, okay? Like, I think that there's times where I, when I go through my stories, I get more sponsored ads than I get um, actual, like, people, okay? But that's because, like, I'm... I'll click on just about anything that says 19.99. Okay, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I do think I could spend twenty dollars on that. Like, I do think that those shoes that I don't have to use my hands for. Have you seen those? Those are sweet. Like those shoes that I can slide into. Like it shows the person walking. That gets me every time. Like I just think that they're going to go from 149.99 down to 19.99. So I need to click on the ad to make sure that they haven't gone down in price. Okay. But the truth is, is that if you really looked at the goal of what many of the things that we do in a day's time, it is to give, it is to cause mischief. It is to cause some sort of distraction from what matters. It is to eventually get you to the point to where you are acting upon it. It is to get you to the point to where you are focused and thinking about it. There's a reason why when you see an Instagram ad, there's a reason why they keep running them, okay? It's because they know eventually you're going to act upon that which you see. And the goal of distraction is this. It may not always be a terrible root of evil like what is seen in verse number two. But the goal of distraction is to get you off focus from what you should be focused on. Now for many people that means to get them off focus from what they're accomplishing at their job. 
For many people, that may mean to get them off focus from what they're accomplishing at school. But for the Christian, here's what that means. Now, when you become focused on something other than God, you have taken your eyes off of God and you begin to compare. You begin to maybe prioritize that. You begin to act upon that. You begin to make it a motive in your life. Well, now I'm not making and earning money to glorify God. I'm now making and earning money to get the things that I want. Now I'm not interacting with those around me so that I can become friends with them, so that I can influence them, so that I can impact them. I'm using them as a part of my scheme to get to where I want to go next. And if you're not careful, you will go through life and look at every distraction along the way, never realizing that the goal of it is to get your mind and your life off focus from God. Quote this verse with me. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. So the goal of distraction is to get your mind off of Christ. So first of all, notice the goal of distraction. Then secondly, I want you to notice this. Recognize the greatness of your mission. Now when I say the greatness of your mission, I'm not necessarily referring to your personal mission. I want you to see that in verse number 3. He says this, this is Nehemiah writing this, obviously it says, And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work. Now what was Nehemiah doing? Someone talk to me. Building the wall. For who? For God. Thank you. That was probably the best way to put it, alright? For God. Nehemiah wasn't there to build a kingdom for himself. Nehemiah wasn't there to see how great of a leader he could be. Nehemiah wasn't even there because it was necessarily popular and he had a, great, a lot of help, okay? This was an extreme makeover where all the little Israelites showed up in their yellow helmets and someone said, like, let's go build the wall. And they're like, yeah! Okay, it wasn't even super popular. In fact, a lot of times Nehemiah says in the passage that he was doing it by himself, okay? While a bunch of guys stood down at the bottom with their hands in their pockets like, this is stupid, why are you doing this, Okay? It wasn't exactly like the most glamorous job. And yet Nehemiah says, I am doing a great work. Why would he say that he was doing a great work? Was it because of the magnitude of it? No, it wasn't. Was it because of the job that he was doing, the quality of his work? Oh, Nehemiah, you're, you are the master wall builder. Good job. Was it because of the pay? No. In fact, Nehemiah had to leave his job as the king's cupbearer to go and do this. Nehemiah was saying that the job and the work was great because of who it had come from. And many times, and I want you just to see this, many times we associate the greatness of our work by who approves of it. And we fail to realize that when we are doing God's work, we have the ultimate approval. Meaning this, that if you go out and you do something and everybody applauds you, oh, this was, this was a great masterpiece, this was a great work of art, or you're such a wise business leader, or you're such a great leader, you're such a wonderful employee, then we get the affirmation that we need that, well, this, that means that this was great work. But what happens if God is the only one who affirms your work? What happens when things get difficult? What happens when your Christianity now has to trump what your company asks you to do? Does that mean that the work is no longer great? Or could it mean that we were never intended to find our affirmation 
our security through who approves our work unless it is approved by God. And so notice the greatness of your mission that if God has called you to do something, if God has led you to do something, if God is leading you to do something for Him, that that is great work that should be prioritized above anything else. And the last thing is this. I want you to recognize the goodness of accomplishment. The goodness of accomplishment. Would you go down to the end of verse number 9? This is so amazing to me, okay? So basically, by the time we get to verse number 9, they've tried to distract him. They've tried to say, well, let's have a meeting. And he says, why should the work stop for just for me to come meet with you? So then they end up kind of trying to distract him again. They're persistent. They keep coming back. They keep coming back. So now they say, basically, if we can't get you to come down for a meeting, then we're going to lie about it, okay? So this is why you're doing this. You're doing this so that everyone will worship you. You're doing this so that you can become the king. And he says, none of those things are true. Look at verse number 9. For they all made us afraid, saying, Their hands shall be weakened from the work, that it be not done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. He says that you have tried to weaken my hands. But God will be the one who strengthens them. There are many things in this life that are built around making you a weaker Christian. I don't know if you've ever gone and you've read some of the background of social media, some of the background of the roots and the foundations of television, some of the things that are produced there's a reason why when you finish an episode, your 17th episode on Netflix, that it pops up and says, still watching? Do you want to continue? Because there's a commitment level to that. There, there is a root to that. There's a root to why certain things are maybe prioritized on Facebook. There's a root to how your Instagram layout is built. There's a root to Twitter. There's a root to all those things. And many of them are not, you know what, this is really going to really enhance the kingdom of God. I don't think that when anyone sat down to develop any social media platform or anything that's probably come out in the last 20 to 30 years, they thought, how will this enhance the kingdom of God? That's not really been the foundational principles of any of those things. I don't know that really on the other hand, if we're being fair, that any of them sat down and said, how can we make sure that people falter and fail and are tempted? And I will say this, that I don't know that there are wholesome foundations to many of those things. They've weakened us. They, they've made us fight amongst each other. Ministry Twitter is the kingpin of it, okay? They've made us compare ourselves with each other. Well, that person, they must have a, they must, they're probably in debt. Then I'm just a wise steward over here driving my 1992 Buick, okay? They've made us compare. They've made us jealous. They've weakened our souls and our Christianity and our faith. And yet, for many of us, while we feel weak, maybe because of the things that are distracting us in this life, very rarely do we have a moment like verse number 9 where we step back and we say, because of this, because of this, because of maybe this person at work, because of maybe this distraction that I'm facing, Lord, all those things are weakening my hands for your work. 
And God, I'm going to ask that you strengthen my hands. Because I need those around me to see the goodness of accomplishment. Can you imagine with me for just a second, and we'll close with this. Actually, I want to close with one more question after this, okay? Can you imagine with me for just a second? If these men, if these people would have distracted Nehemiah. How many of you have ever driven past a building that maybe is, is half built? Or you've driven past a business that maybe built something and then all of a sudden they went bankrupt and never even moved into it, okay? And that, that's kind of discouraging, isn't it? And normally you feel the need to make a comment, right? Like, well, look at that. Like, they must not have counted the cost. Or I bet that person feels stupid. Or I bet they're a bad leader. Or, I bet uh, that must be how it feels to, to go bankrupt. Okay? The Bible even talks about he who buildeth a, a tower and considereth not the cost. Can you imagine? I want you to think about this for just a second. If a mission that came directly from God to Nehemiah would not have been finished. Think about the testimony that that would have kind of marked on God. Man, God gave Nehemiah this big job and he couldn't even stay focused long enough to get it done. Man, look at the walls. Guess Nehemiah got kind of tired, huh? And you know what the world does every single day that it looks at a distracted Christian life? Huh. That person says that they're a Christian. That person says that they're supposed to love others. That person says that they're supposed to help change the world. That person says they have the good news. And they can't even stay focused long enough to maybe tell someone else. They can't even manage and plan their time long enough to help someone on the side of the road. They can't even be a good... They talk about being a good Samaritan and they, they name every charitable thing that they do after Samaritan. Samaritan's purse, good Samaritan, Samaritan this, Samaritan food, Samaritan, Samaritan clothes, okay? Be a good Samaritan. Do good, love people, okay? Walk humbly with thy God. You guys have all the cool t-shirts and yet you can't even take the time to not be distracted by the things of this world to do what this book says to do to do what God has called you to do. Think about the testimony of that. But at the same time, think about the testimony and how those guys had to eat every single bit of their words and what they were trying to accomplish when Nehemiah just kept sitting up there, putting mortar on and putting another brick on. Doing the next thing. Sorry, I can't come down. I'm doing something good. I want you to think about this for just a second. Why are we so distracted by society? And I'll close with this. I'm going to pick my phone up because most of you are distracted that it's still laying there, all right? Why are we so distracted? Why are we so given to distractions? As I was thinking about this, and I know that today's lesson is, is probably a little bit too uber practical, okay? But why are we given to distraction? You know what I've found in my own life is that typically I am given to distraction by things that I don't want to do. Anybody else like that? Can you guys kind of identify? I'm really good at finding things that I don't want to do, right? And I'm really good at finding things that I should have done for like years and deciding that I, I'm going to do them when I should be doing something else, okay? I'm the world's worst about this when we go on vacation. Like, I should have washed the car for probably a month and a half ago. But now we're going on vacation, and we're going to make it dirtier on our way to vacation. But now is a great time for me to spend two hours waxing it and vacuuming it and pulling the seats out and making sure that there's no crumbs under the seat because the eight-hour drive to the beach is not going to cause there to be any crumbs on the bottom of it, right? We're good at distracting ourselves, and it's simply because I don't want to go and pack, okay? 
You have a big project coming up. All of a sudden, those dishes that you've been letting pile up in the sink, you know what, now seems like a great time to go and do the dishes, right? You know what, I have really been wanting to binge watch that whole series. Okay, now seems like a good time to do it. We distract ourselves from things that we don't want to do. And here's the sad truth that many of us need to come to grips with is that many times we are given to distraction because there are things in our life that we simply don't want to do. We find no joy in them. We find no pleasure in them. We find no fulfillment in them. And so here's my closing challenge. Could it be that the reason why we are so distracted as human beings is because we have yet to find a job like what Nehemiah found? We have yet to find what God has truly wanted us and called us to do. Because if God's called us to do it, there's a passion and there's a fire that comes with it. There's a, there is a desire that is birthed in us. I for not one second think that Nehemiah was up there just enjoying every moment in the hot sun building a wall. But his passion wasn't wall building. His passion was that God had called him to do it. And it could very well be that the reason that your mind is distracted and unfocused on God is simply because you have yet to discover what God has called you to do that gives you purpose, that gives you fulfillment, that gives you joy, even when it's difficult. I'm not going to stand up here and say that if God calls you to do it, that all of a sudden it's just frolicking through a wild field of daisies, okay? That's not the point. The point is that you are able to do it with joy and with purpose and with passion, even when life gets hard, not because it's easy, not because the distractions are fun, not because they're not even tempting, but simply because your mission and your calling is so much greater in life. And so here's what I want you to do. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We'll pray and we'll be done. But I want to ask. Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.